What does he say? Faster, lighter, meaner, wilder. Isn't that a song by Daft Punk? We saw it throughout the episode, but it kept coming back to her talking about stormy weather approaching. Stormy Daniels. If there was ever a man who would struggle to find his woman's dot, it is probably Connor. He's the only one who can see the wood for the trees, and he's looked at a lot of wood. Logan's speech was, you know, it was really giving me Leonardo DiCaprio in the Wolf of Wall Street vibes. This podcast was recorded remotely and may contain adult language and themes. Hello and welcome to TV DNA Succession, Season 4, Episode 2, The Rehearsal. My name is Adam Hemming and my co-hosts have all travelled from far and wide to get here this evening. Coming straight from the bachelor party for Potus Scrotus, it's Damien Cooper. You're such fucking dopes. You're not serious figures. I love you, but you are not serious people. And you say that like it's a bad thing. She's been at Billy Ray Cyrus's Kentucky Fried Shit Shack. It's Grace Chapman. Eyeball emoji, fingers crossed emoji, helicopter emoji. <laughs> and fresh from humiliating himself in the shame palace, it's Neil Shepek. Well, just like Roman, I have a boner watching this. <laughs> wow, what another brilliant episode of succession some really really great stuff in here should we get some first thoughts absolutely loved it i'm really intrigued and <laughs> kind of do have a boner for this show anyway but the way the kids are working together like they're another faction and then logan comes along at the end and he seems to want to reconcile but you can never trust him so is he doing it purely for you know waystar on the company or is he doing it because that's actually what he needs as an individual with his own well-being yeah i absolutely loved it and i think it sowed many many seeds which many bonus do yeah i will definitely we'll talk about all of this later on but that final chunk of the episode was superb absolutely superb grace what did you think yeah i i, I agree i'm i'm really enjoying how shaky the kids are and how any small, whether it's a text from dad or someone says one thing or Stewie tries to get them to cab, like it just rocks that their foundations are so slim right now. And I, I, I love how, how sort of uncertain it all is and how, how it makes you feel when you're watching it is that kind of low, we've talked about that low level anxiety that Succession has and it's really coming through well here. I also think this has been, this was one of my favourite episodes for Brian Cox in a while. I think he was fantastic in this. They may. What an overrated pile of nonsense. <laughs> We're fucking pirates. I'm joking. I thought it was brilliant too. Like you said, Grace, I think Brian Cox was phenomenal this episode. I really loved that scene with the four of them in the shit shack. I know lots of people probably would move towards the karaoke scene, but for me, the three of them kind of jostling for position amongst themselves at that table going full, the speed at which they were doing it, with Connor sat in the corner acting like woe betide me and obsessed with Willa, but really he was just snaking them all to dad. Just all of that. And then that line, we'll come to it, but just when they ask him, what does he want to do? 
Uh, I would like to sing one song at karaoke because I've seen it in the movies and no one wants to go. <laughs> <laughs> They're so out of touch. Speaking of Cox, should we talk about Logan Roy? <laughs> yes, please. I really felt like this episode focused a lot on his decline and, yes. you know, whether or not this sale, which is imminent, it's tomorrow, right? The sale to Matson is the end of Logan Roy. And he's quite, he's definitely railing against the tide and saying, no, I'm still here. He wants the best deal. But at the same time, I'm wondering whether he's acknowledged to himself that he's, well, basically retiring. And maybe the most important thing for him is his family. I don't think he likes it, but he realises that he loves his kids and he doesn't know how to deal with that. Also, the kids talk about particularly Shiv and then Kendall gets on board about, is it the best deal or has Logan lost it? Logan in his prime would know exactly what he was doing. And I feel like that's kind of mirrored as the his lack of surety as to whether is it Kelly is right to be a newsreader and that whole idea of him saying you know I'm not it's nothing to do with me I'm not involved was clearly being the puppet master I do think there's an element of him especially when he's speaking to Tom where he's kind of like I don't actually know anymore I don't fully trust my ability to read the situation to read the room as much as I used to be able to it's Kerry the assistant but um yeah, I, I think he just wants to be thought of as the top dog, as the, you know, the big gun, as the 100 feet tall guy in a world full of pygmies. Still, he doesn't want to lose that feeling of being important. And let's not forget, when we talk about him loving his kids, he opens this episode by axing the chopper. They can walk. Happy Christmas, you clock watching fucks. He's being petty because they fucked him over over the Pierce deal. Um so this op- this opens with him playing his kids. But he eventually apologises for that. I mean, yeah, but as Shiv says, she can't believe anything he said. I just love it. It made me think about the PJs when they couldn't get in the chopper. When they almost <laughs> lost their PJs a few, like last season. And it made me, it just really made me think of that because I remember that was really like, that was the final straw for them in that deal. The chopper's gone. But yeah, Logan, I think, I think what you were saying about how the first few series, I've just sort of seen Logan as like 80% businessman, 20% father at a push. And I wonder if this season four, we might see that father or lack of sort of get bigger within Logan and how he's going to manage that and deal with that. I didn't buy any of that at all. The thing he says before he leaves is, this is a delicate matter. And so that's the moment he decides to put the cards out on the table. Oh, but no, I'm going to come to my birthday. Oh, I would have told you that, but you wouldn't see me. Oh, woe is me. I don't fucking buy it. The only reason why there's this whole thing about he wants to hand it off to one of the kids is purely based on his ego, because someone who he has made will run the company that he has made. So... I'm I'm not sure. I mean, the intro itself shows how he doesn't really care. It's literally just about to drop someone in to carry on what he's done. Yeah, I mean, Logan is obviously very strategic. And I, I, I agree with a lot of what you say. But Roman messaged him on his birthday and he's, whether it's a WhatsApp, um, but he, he's been messaging Roman back 
And I think he really appreciates that at least one of his kids is making an effort. I see the other side of that. I think he sees in Roman a weakness. So when that whole conversation's had, shit, fuck off, don't believe you. Kendall, come on, it's all about the bottom line. How much money can we make? That's all he cares about. And Roman is saying, oh, no, let's listen. Hey, what do you mean? Oh, you know, he's so much softer. So like you said, he sent that message because he wants to wish him a happy birthday because his dad. In the heat of battle, he showed weakness and he knows Roman will do what needs to be done to get the job done. And he wants to obviously go down this tawdry line with ATN. So how do you how do you undermine the triumvirate? You, you pick at the, the weakest link. And Roman is definitely the weakest link of the three. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot here. And, and we talked last episode about the fact that Logan does love his kids. He's just thoroughly disappointed in them because they are not him. But they haven't made themselves in the same way that he has. And he hates people generally. So he, he can't quite cope with the fact that he loves these people and he has no way of properly showing it. But I wanted to pick up on the kind of an earlier event that happens that I think shapes the rest of this episode. Because Shiv is on the phone and she finds out that all of the divorce lawyers have been conflicted out. And that this is a classic Logan move. I think she says later on that she's been mummed and that this is what Logan did to her mum. So Tom has contacted all of the top divorce lawyers in New York and there's nobody left for her, basically. She can't, she can't find anyone decent to represent her. And she feels that Logan gave Tom the advice for all of this. And that's, it's after that, that she has the phone conversation with Sandy and that she starts feeding in this thing of we need to ask for more money from the Matson deal. And if we have Sandy and Stewie and the three of us, we can stop that from happening and force them back to the table. So it's Shiv's, essentially Shiv's bitterness at being played by her dad and Tom that leads to the conflict of this episode. It's almost certain that that is true, but... Can we just for a second discuss what Logan gets out of that? He says, like, he, he basically confesses that he did it, that Tom came to me and asked me for advice. I would have given you the same advice, but you're not around. I don't talk to you. I don't see you. We don't have a relationship. So I gave Tom the advice. But if, if you'd been there, I would have given you that advice. He's brazen about that. So it's a petty gesture. Because, again, I put forward the question, what does Logan actually get out of this? So fuck you. That's all it is. Fuck you, you thought we're a bigger number. Well, fuck you, because I've managed to put Tom in contact with the best lawyers. So you're fucked. Fuck you. Also, I think Logan genuinely thrives on emotional manipulation. I do think it's a bit of a power source for him. And if he can do it, he'll do it. And it makes him feel, as Adam says, 100 foot tall. I think Shiv is going to be just enormous in this series. I've got I've got a Shiv feeling. I've got a big Shiv feeling. Even in the opening titles, she features much more than she used to. Younger Shiv, growing older. So I feel like, you know, seasons one and two were quite Kendall heavy. Seasons three, we got a lot of Roman. We really got to know Roman. I just think four's a Shiv season. She's definitely suffering at the moment, I think. Um, but I, I just think that, I think there might be a bit of an old boys club thing about it with, with Logan and the divorce thing as well, potentially. But he brushes it off. It's almost so matter of fact to him. It was just like, well, Tom was there and he asked me. So I told him what to do. If you'd been there, I'd have told you. You know, it's almost like he doesn't realise the impact it's having on Shiv. 
I think the only the only moment I I'm with Damo. I didn't trust that final. I didn't trust that final scene for a heartbeat. I just thought, nah, this is all part of like this is a play. This is how it's going. This is all part of the Logan being Logan. But there was one tiny moment where I saw I thought I saw a chink in the armor, which is when Shiv says to him, "You're a human fucking gaslight," and there was this pause and this like almost this little flicker of something that made me think, ah, okay, I think she's got in there somehow. Yeah, I agree. I think considering, obviously, this whole show is based on the Murdochs, but it's also based on King Lear. It's very Shakespearean. And I think there will be... We're going to see Logan as a tragic figure. That That's my instinct i think he is isn't he because it's just the inevitable process of aging right in our own mortality and that we can be gods in our lifetime but we are not actual gods and therefore we will pass i wonder if the human gaslight moment is that one bit of truth in order to sell the lie so he shows that bit of weakness and therefore and it's not necessarily for Shiv that bit of weakness that bit of weakness is for roman because roman is already turning yeah and let's not forget like we were reminded he hit roman like everyone did it's so dark you know god like roman as a child just trying to like win the affection of his father it's just it's so dark when you actually dig into it but um we could talk about logan for forever but can we just talk about that speech at ATM? Yeah, I was about to take us down to the finish of the karaoke stuff. But I think you're right. Let's let's cover. Let's go back and talk about him at ATM because I thought this was again a brilliant part of the episode. So he's <laughs> the, the conversation between Tom and Greg as they're watching him. Uh, you know, Greg's watching him on the floor. Logan's on the floor. He's moseying terrifyingly. <laughs> I terrifyingly mosey all the time. He's like Jaws, if everyone was employed by Jaws. <laughs> and he looks like as if Santa was a hitman. Yeah, there's a slight sense that he might kill someone. But he's kind of not happy with ATN. It's really interesting, actually, in this episode, it mirrors what the kids are doing. The kids are watching the news channel that they're buying, which is PGN or something like that. It's the Peers News Network. And they're talking about, you know, the fact that there are old people on there, there's no hotties. They've got a show about politics called Inside Baseball. They're kind of looking almost like bigger picture about it, almost, kind of. Whereas Logan is picking at the font and about these small little details of ATN. Um, so I thought that was quite an interesting comparison early on in the episode. But yeah, he's hanging around like the threat of nuclear war. <laughs> he's pacing around, isn't he? Almost like a lion in a cage kind of really trying to assert his dominance in his territory and I guess shit them up into doing more work, right? He sees that one guy who's only done one email, uh, calls him a fucking stackerite, which was very niche. Uh, did anyone, Adam and I have already admit that we had to Google that. Did anyone know what a stackerite was? No. It's a stackanovite. Sorry, stackanovite. Do you, do you want to say it, or shall I? Please, Adam, I think it's only right for corrections. The Stakhanovite movement was a mass cultural movement of workers which originated in the Soviet Union and encouraged socialist emulation and rationalisation of workplace processes. They were described as hardworking, productive and zealous. Oh, 
Logan's clearly using this ironically that he doesn't feel that his ATN staff are working particularly hard, which is the main point. And he gets up on the I love the fact they build a stage out of printer paper boxes <laughs> and that he makes Tom stand on it first. Yeah, I'm wondering if this Stakanovite comment is highlighting or, or at least comparing and contrasting. So the PGN guys, the siblings are talking about sexifying up their news. You know, I guess there's a little bit about the quality, but mostly it's about what the product is visually. Whereas here is Logan looking around, like you said, those fine details and talking to Tom about this very niche thing, quite intellectual idea of the Stakanovites. Can we say that any more often this episode? Who knows? And then you compare that with Connor trying to talk about how he's the common man wanting to do what the ordinary man with oil and blood on his hands or whatever would do i just i just thought it was very interesting yeah whatever you geniuses think i mean drinking belgian vice beer is clearly what a common man does so not hogan yeah uh, well i thought logan's speech was you know it was really giving me leonardo dicaprio in the wolf of wall street vibes absolutely rallying the crowd and tom's speech was so it was sweet it was fine, you know, 3%. <laughs> but Logan comes in absolutely raging, doesn't he? And I just want to pull out the line, I want to know that we're killing the opposition. I want to be slitting their throats. And I was like, well, he's talking about his kids right then. Yeah, I just thought it was brilliant. What does he say? Faster, lighter, meaner, wilder. I thought you could describe Logan and Brian Cox as that in that moment. I fucking love it. Isn't that a song by Daft Punk? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, Tom is asked to sprinkle a little sugar, so the sweetness of his speech shouldn't come as a surprise. But yeah, I loved it. You know, is they're up 40 on costs, 15% up year on year, but they're up 40 on costs. And he picks out this poor guy as, you know, is 15 equal to 40 pal. But yeah, this is all he's got left, right? ATN is all he has left. So he needs to make this work. And he's, he's promising to spend a lot more time there with them. Anyone who believes I'm getting out, shove the bunting up your ass. Uh, this is not the end. I'm going to build something better. My theory with Logan and this speech in this scene is that he's going to fire up ATN staff. You know, this whole faster, stronger, wilder. Let's Let's say the things that people aren't expecting us to say. That somebody is accidentally going to say something about the presidential candidate that he's backing. That will pull the rug out from underneath that candidate and that our good friend Connor Roy will be the only option for Logan and then the power of ATN will somehow get him elected as president. I would love that. Get that 1% up. It wouldn't just be ATN, right? Surely the siblings would also back him too. And this has been teased. I mean, surely Connor has to be a serious candidate, or well, maybe not a serious candidate, but at least uh, a, a credible that he might potentially get it and the boys will get behind him. Let's talk about Connor, because the other big part of this episode, obviously, is um, it's called the rehearsal. It's the rehearsal for Connor's wedding, which is taking place on the same day as the Matson sale. I mean, really, there's 365 days in a year. Could they not have staggered these a little bit? It was always going to end in tears. And by the end of the episode, I've no idea if anyone's going to be at Connor's wedding other than Connor. <laughs> I don't know. They tossed them 
another 10k, maybe they'll all be there. Maybe it was the only time the Statue of Liberty was available. <laughs> One of the things I noticed when they all finally arrived at that meal, so Connor was sat there, they came to him, no one hugged Connor properly. Both Roman and Kendall kind of did a half hug to the side and Shiv, the distance between the bodies in the hug that Shiv gave him, my God, so cruel. And I wonder if that's also, I mean, we already know that they don't really see him as a serious, because he's only a half brother, I don't know. But that linked with him snaking on them to the dad. Oof. I don't think that Connor was necessarily a plan for Logan previously. But I think he's, it's just, again, it's the final straw, isn't it? That Similarly to Tom at the end of the, the last season, that Connor is, you know, constantly abused. The stuff that Roman says to him in this episode is horrible. The fact that they were late for his wedding rehearsal. And that when they actually do meet up with him, all they want to do is talk about business, not really spend time with him. I mean, they say that he's won a lottery to have a drink with them or something. It's really, really vile. And then they're talking about fucking with the deal that is going to make him a not insubstantial amount of money, which he clearly needs. So I think his decision to tell Logan comes in that episode rather than a, 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 him being a previous plant for a rat. Also, when he first sees them, right, he says, me and dad against you guys. So how is the Rebel Alliance doing? So he's already kind of picked his side. Rebel Alliance and or what? <laughs> I get that reference. <laughs> well, I guess she found another spot that she likes on another man's dick, on a much bigger, nicer, harder, younger dick. He blames her. Or an Aquarius supply retailer. Did anyone Google? Because I did. What did you find out? Well, but the fact that Connor thinks it's drugs makes this even more funny. All it is, is it serves landscape and irrigational professionals. <laughs> yeah, we should say that Willa has parted the rehearsal before it's finished, the wedding rehearsal, that she got up to do her speech and said, I can't do this, and went to the bathroom for 40 minutes. Where is Willa now? I mean, come on, let's, ha let's have some fun. Let's monitor her dot together. Has anybody got her dot on their phone? Neil, it's a factory setting. I don't think it is. If there was ever a man who would struggle to find his woman's dot, it is probably Connor. What I think is lovely, actually, about this episode, and again, we're skipping to the end a little bit here, but Willa disappears, Connor's trying to follow her on the phone and all the rest of it, and she stops moving, and it might be because the phone's died, etc., etc. At the end of the episode, when he gets home, he's there in bed, and, you know, they have this little cuddle at the end of the episode, and... It's with where everybody else is at the end of the episode. I think almost, I almost think Connor is in the best place and he won't find anyone better than Willa. So he just has to make that work. I think, though, we have to think about that in, uh, in conjunction with that phenomenal speech that he gives in the karaoke bar about him. What was it exactly, Adam? It basically it ends with, I don't need love. It's like a superpower. Uh, but he talks about having a family that doesn't love you and learning to live with it. He says, you're needy love sponges and I'm a plant that grows on rocks and lives off insects that die inside of me. It's just so beautiful. And I just, you know, I, my heart went out to Connor at that point. Oh, same. It's gorgeous. And just nice to spend a bit of time with Connor. We all talk about how brilliant he was in this episode, but I did write something down. I mean, we've all, we've all been a bit worried about Kendall, but is Connor okay? 
I, I just, I'm a bit, a bit worried about Connor now. And I just wrote down, are they all going to survive this series? I think one of that speech was going to turn far darker about what he might do that night if, if Willa wasn't there. I wonder with the relationship with Willa, because it started off as, shall we say, a transactional relationship, she was a lady of negotiable affection. And every time we've seen that, by the way, no shame to sex workers, job's job, but the way in which he has been with her, it's always been, well, why don't you move in? I can do this for you. I can do that for you. Well, she obviously doesn't actually like him. She likes the money and the lifestyle that goes around being with him. But I thought it was quite interesting because, you know, I've never really felt that he loved her, but there was more that she was useful. If he wants to be a politician, he has to have a wife. He has to have a family. It's that whole thing of the image of it rather than than the romance of it. Yeah, to be honest, I think this episode's made that very clear. And I do find that very sad. As we've already touched on, there's definitely a care from audiences towards Connor. And I think that is, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's such a shame. But I also think the writers know exactly what they're doing and they will use that. Yeah, I think so. But I guess the main question is, whose bachelor party would you rather be at? Connor's or Tom's? Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, my dear God. Uh, (laughs) For me, I would say Connor's, just because I like Connor more than Tom. I enjoy watching Tom more than Connor um, on the show, but I definitely would rather be in the same room as Connor than Tom. There is one big topic of this episode that we haven't touched on at all yet. It's a recurring theme, and that is Kerry's interview to be a news anchor for ATN. <laughs> I love the fact that this kept coming back to, we saw it multiple times throughout the episode, but it kept coming back to her talking about stormy weather approaching. <laughs> stormy Daniels. <laughs> it definitely brought sort of the most comedy, didn't it? The little lighter moments that we all desperately need when watching Succession. But yeah, her little smile when she talks about the children being abducted. (laughs) (laughs) And also the way Logan, it's very clear that Logan doesn't want her to to do the job. (laughs) But the way that he gets Tom and then Tom gets Greg to have the conversation. It's like, I'm not part of this. And then Tom says that he's not part of this. And it all lands on cousin Greg. Oh, man, and she eviscerates him. She is far too savvy, far too capable and far too smart to deal with any of that bullshit. But I think my favourite moment was when Hugo and Jerry were watching it in the boardroom. Is it Dagmar or what's her name? I can't remember the actress's name and the character she plays. Carolina. I think she's, yeah, the actress who plays Carolina is such a good actor. And I love that moment when she was... She says, oh, well, why don't you just put your laptop on the screen? And he tries to get out of just how quickly he closes it down. But there's still that half second. (laughs) It's so, so good. And also, everyone has had some of those, like, embarrassing tech moments, haven't they, in their life? A big meeting recently at work. I put on my laptop and my screensaver is me and my friends, like, on holiday. But, you know, it's kind of like a bikini shot. On the big screen, all four of us, and it was just silent, silent in the meeting room. No one said a thing. Everyone was just staring at it. 
Oh God. And then there was just this like tiny bit of silence and someone went, should we use someone else's laptop? <laughs> well, it's an incredible piece of diplomacy. It's like Israel and Palestine, but much harder and more important. Never underestimate Kerry. I think that's what we've learned from this episode. And I think it will come into play later on. We should never underestimate her. No, definitely. Again, one of my favourite parts of this was was Logan wanting to meet Tom and Greg in the kitchen and then starting the conversation by talking about the fact there was too much pizza and they should be microwaved. (laughs) And then Greg saying, well, there is a sog factor. And if anyone personified Sog Factor more than Greg, then I haven't seen it. Greg, fuck off. But I also love the implication of it being pizza, because there's that meme, of course, of you go, oh, every Thursday it's Pizza Thursday, just to say thank you for all your hard work. Why don't you give me a raise? No, I can't give you a raise, but I can give you some pizza. Of all the things they chose, very nice. Wow. No, that's smart. Yeah, it feels like every day is Pizza Day at ATM. And just to stay on Greg for a moment, uh, in that bit with um, Tom, where Tom is trying to, well, he's just telling Greg what to do, isn't he? That's what happens with Tom and Greg. I thought for just a moment that Greg was going to say no. No, Tom, I'm not doing it. And I wrote down, oh, my God, new season four, Greg. And then I was like, oh, no, he's just said yes. <laughs> There's a lovely moment in that scene with Greg and Kerry where she says, uh, he says, can I grab you for a minute? And she says, you've already grabbed every other woman in Manhattan. And he says, thank you, as if it's a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's back in full. If it is to be said, then it is to said or whatever. I mean, that that's he's got that voice on, hasn't he? He's got his... I'm trying to be a responsible grown-up voice. Well, the arms aren't right. And also he wanted to give her a heads up on the down low on what the murmurs are. I mean, it was just hilarious. He's trying to talk business speak, but he doesn't know business speak. And that's when he gets all a, all a bit flustered. And to be honest, I cannot wait until Kerry takes him apart like a human string cheese. Yeah, you mentioned her being terrifying. That's exactly what I wrote down at this point, was just terrifying. What else have we got to talk about? Well, we got some juice here. Surely, you know, we've got some fucking juice. We talked about Stewie and and those guys, but we also had a WhatsApp call or a video call between Kendall and Lucas. So we only saw Lucas for one scene. And that was that conversation is what flipped Kendall from being like, no, the deal's fine, to no, we're going to fuck this guy up from the kind of passive-aggressive, low-grade alphering, I'd say, that Lucas was giving him over the uh, video call. And then it turns out that Roman's also been talking to Matson. So there's been a lot of there's been a lot of sneaky conversations that have been going on, and it's it's it was great to have them all on the table. I love Matson saying that he's, he's not being aggressive. This might come across as being aggressive, but I'm, I'm not being aggressive. I have been told that every now and then I code that way. Oh, God. But just to talk about Kendall very, very quickly, it's really, I'm not, we're not spending a lot of time on, I don't feel like he's a real kind of front runner character in this series. And I'm really, he's always in that cap. He's, he's always shaded. You can't ever really see his eyes. And I'm really intrigued as to what's going to happen to him and how. Is this such a bad thing? I mean, he's the least interesting of the children. 
Sorry, but I don't care about his story. It was useful in series one, and then the complete fallout and the has he drowned in the pool was all a great, you know, diversion. But really, he's not a genuine candidate, is he? I think it's got to be Shiv, but Roman has the ability to be out and out disgusting. I love that you picked up on the cap wearing, because I think he is he's almost physically hiding with the cap and the coat pulled tight around him. He's hiding. He doesn't want to be out in the public eye, doesn't want to be seen. He wants to be in the background. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting with him. The other thing about the Matson-Kendall conversation, Matson says he wants clarity before nukes get launched, which is the second reference to nuclear weapons in the episode. And I'm just I'm just asking, is that the end game? Mutually assured destruction. <laughs> the other thing I was interested about Kendall is has how have his children died? Is his ex-wife no longer on the planet. We see no no mention of them at all. Will they be at the wedding? And how is the rabbit? <laughs> I get a sense, Grace, and it might just be you and me, that you have a love for Kendall in the same way that I do. And yes, during seasons one and two and part of season three, emotionally, he's been at the heart of it. And I think any good showrunner will use that i'm not saying necessarily be a, a good way with a positive ending but i i don't think he's gonna disappear yeah i i'm enjoying how i'm second guessing everything with him at the moment i think that's clever but i do have to say part of me said goodbye to him in that swimming pool i'm sorry oh, it's true it is true i felt like that his story arc it was perfect that was a perfect way to end it and then it wasn't the end and I'm just intrigued as to what's left for Kendall yeah that's a good shout should we move on to the ending of the episode then we had this lovely because because Kendall at the end is smiling like he's happy he got a reaction from his dad that he was really really after whereas Shiv at the end is very much almost re regressing what she's done she's kind of deep in thought about whether she's done the right thing or not that's what it feels to me and then we get Connor obviously finding Willow in bed and having a cuddle before before Roman meets Logan and Tom. Did you see it was on Shiv's phone, though? Oh, it was Tom's contact details from her contact book. So was she going to ring Tom? Was she going to message him? Who knows? But she was definitely, she was obviously thinking about Tom. Mm. Yeah, she's a, if we talk about the Roy family swingometer, like Shiv is at the lower end right now, probably taking up some space with Connor. Kendall's very much in the middle, and Raymond's sort of at that, at that higher end, I reckon. Still think it's going to be Shiv, though. Yeah, and then obviously the last bit is, is, is Roman walking in, which even though it doesn't surprise me, I still gasped. Well, Roman for this, again, in this episode, is the only one who's thinking clearly, right? When it comes to the whole business thing, it's, it's Shiv at first trying to persuade them both, and then Kendall getting on board, and it's all about their emotional premium. Roman just wants to get into a business with them and to do to do some decent work. He's the only one who can see the wood for the trees. And he's looked at a lot of wood. He um, certainly has. His own. I mean, he's John, motherfuckers. The others are Ringo and Yoko. Yeah, I, I liked that Logan was saying about the emotional manipulator. He says to Roman, they're not like us. And he says, I want ATN to become this disgusting pit. I want them to go too far. That's why it has to be you. So I wonder, instead of the disgusting brothers, 
or whatever we've got the disgusting father and son he says he needs a ruthless fuck who will do whatever it takes and I thought I saw sort of a little bit of a moment from Roman of I don't know if that's me or not there was a little a little sort of a bit of an uncertainty there or a little bit of a I don't like that phrase or something it was quite childlike in that moment yeah he wants a fire breather he wants a ruthless fuck that will do whatever it takes yeah I wonder if it's one of those things where because they've been estranged for however long this now is is that Roman has moved on he has changed as a person. Logan thinks he's still the guy that sent a picture of his cock to him on WhatsApp and will do whatever needs to be done to get the deal across the line. I don't think that's who Roman is now. I think Roman has been working on himself, whether it be in therapy or not. I don't mean he's slowly going blind working on himself. I mean <laughs> that, he, that he is a better person, possibly having gone to therapy. And so I think there was also that kind of thing, like you said, of Roman being a bit apprehensive of... You know, I've I've done all this work on me and, you know, the, the classic Godfather reference that you love, Adam. Just when I was out, they pulled me back in. Yeah, which well, I will point out is in, is in The Godfather Part 3, not in Part 2, like you said in the previous episode, Damo. How well do you know The Godfather, Damo? It doesn't sound very well. Jeez, I just assumed because it was good, it couldn't possibly be in Part 3. <laughs> it's famously the only good line in Part 3. <laughs> I've exposed well, it from as, my mind, part three. It doesn't exist. Well, as Logan said, smart people know what they are. And I think you're absolutely right. Roman, he's a new person. And he certainly seems to be the smartest Roy at the table. And the Night of the Long Knives is coming. And Logan says, I need you. Yeah. I mean, it is all incredibly manipulative. I think we could talk for hours about that final scene and, and who is playing who and who is getting the, the best out of that. I think Logan is, has played each of the kids in a way, I think he's given them enough of what they need. He's, he's sown doubt in Shiv's mind. He's given Kendall the little win that he wants to satisfy him and get him to fuck off. And now he might get Roman to do his bidding with Matson to get the deal over the line. Any final thoughts then? I was going to say, obviously, we we kind of once again all said what we thought about the episode at the beginning, and once again, we didn't ask you, Connor. I mean, sorry, Adam, uh, <laughs> what what you thought of the episode? Yeah, again, I, I, well, I sort of talked about the sort of Connor stuff, which I just, you know, my heart goes out to Connor, and I just thought he was brilliant in this, so so good, and yeah, I don't need love; it's a superpower. It's just such a you know, incredible thing. That's what I felt about it. It's always brilliant, always good succession. The, the dialogue is just phenomenal. So good that you want to write the whole of it down. But yes, if you want to let us know your favourite line from succession this week, then you can let us know on the social media at Pod on all good platforms or email tvdnapod at gmail.com. Do interact with our wonderful polls if you listen to us on Spotify. And do check out our back catalogue including season three of succession but also shows such as the white lotus house of the dragon and other brilliant stuff we've got episodes on the mandalorian and on yellow jackets and on ted lasso coming up as well as our weekly spoiler free watch list episodes and Bree, okay favorite line of the episode neil i'm sorry i don't like you guys you sound like a medical experiment gone wrong <laughs> Demo. I've got two. This is Guantanamo level shit. Or you want to give us a quick blast of New York, New York and fuck off? Well, this has all been lovely, but I'm heading off to drink a couple of martini passive aggressos. 
Oh, I've got three and none of you said mine. So you can tell me which ones you prefer and I'll only use one of them. But congrats on losing your betrayal, Cherry. Dad was a god, but tomorrow he's selling the empire to a 4chan Swede and dishing out jobs for blowies. <laughs> and my final one, what happens if I kill a Buddhist? Do I get reincarnated as a Buddhist? <laughs> it's just water, man. It's just water, man. <laughs> so much good stuff. Not Hogarden. Not Hogarden. Oh, sorry. Not Hogarden. Not Hogarden. <laughs> Grace wins.